This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. We are so excited, man. We're in week four of our spiritual growth campaign, and isn't it been so good and so rich already? I hope you've been joining your life group. You've been diving deep, uh, ministering together in the Word. Two more weeks. Hang in there with us. I know that God is going to continue to use this series. Before I jump into the Word today, I have a little bit of a practical housekeeping uh, need, uh, help that I, I need from you. And that is we at the Fort Lauderdale campus are beginning to look at, prepare for, and plan for our second service. To plan for the second service. And so to do that, I need your help. Everyone in the building, as well as everyone that's watching by way of live stream. Is Fort Lauderdale is your regular campus that you normally attend I need everybody to participate because the results of this survey is going to inform our decision. And if you don't participate, then we're not going to be able to make a proper decision. And so what I want you to do and how I need your help today is if and when you came into the building, if you're in the building, you received a little card, CLC Second Service Survey Card. Now, if you're watching by live stream or if you would prefer to do it in the building, I believe that there is going to be a code on the screen as well as a website there. Keep it up long enough, team, so that they can put their phones up to that. And that will take you to the survey page. Now, I need everybody, husband and wife, to participate. If only one of you as a couple participates, it only registers one vote. So I need everybody to vote for me to let me know what you're going to do. Here's what it says. Uh, If we added a second service, the two service times would be 9 a.m. There would be a service time change, 9 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. So if we add a second service at 11.30 a.m. at our Fort Lauderdale campus... If you're watching by live stream and you attend normally another campus, then you can disregard if this isn't the campus that you would normally be attending. Our Fort Lauderdale campus, which time would you more most likely attend? 9 a.m. or 11.30 a.m.? Now, if you're on our virtual audience and you're going to remain virtual, I believe that there is a link there that you're going to be able to click it that for this time, this season, you're going to stay in a virtual uh, setting and be a part of our CLC uh, uh, online family. That's okay, but just let us know that. Don't click one of the other services. We need to get a good feeling of what we're going to have when it comes to How many will be going to our 9 o'clock or 11.30? The reason is we have kids programming, kids ministry. We have uh, youth ministry. We have ushers and greeters. So many different things that are going on that there is a lot that goes into planning the second service. And so if you'll let us know, 9 a.m., 11.30, for those of you that are in the the, uh, online streaming, you click online stream if you're going to stay there. If you're waiting to come back, For the 1130 service, many of you have been waiting for us to start the 1130 service. You've been online, but you're going to jump back in at 1130. That's okay. Click, check, 
the 11.30. Now, there's also one more question. This will help us in our kids' program. If you have children that are still at home, those children are going to be coming with you in the uh, infant, preschool, uh, elementary age, all the way up to fifth grade. Will you let us know how many children you are going to be bringing with you to that service so that we can uh, have a good idea. We're going to take this. It'll help inform our decisions. We'll begin to chart the path for our second service. When you're done in the auditorium, pass the card down to the very end. Ushers are going to just walk back and forth and grab it. I don't want you to slip away and accidentally not turn that in. We need everybody to participate, husbands and wives. Uh, If you need to do it for your spouse, go ahead, do it for your spouse. If you're watching online, you put it up to that uh, little screen. You may have to do it twice, three times. If there's three of you in the family, let everybody in the family uh, do it. Well, we're going to jump into our message today. We're in week four of our spiritual growth campaign called Fight. Are you ready to get into the Word? Take your Bibles, turn with me, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is the key passage that we've been studying, studying in the weekend service as well in our life groups. And today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into Paul's writings. Father, as I open your Word I know, Lord, that your word is anointed. It guides us. It's the, it's, it's, it's the book of life that brings life, that guides us throughout life. It gives us our boundaries. It gives us our guardrails. It helps us, Father, to know, to be encouraged by, to be strengthened through. And so today I pray that the work of the Holy Spirit will become a work of illumination. Will you ask the Lord to illuminate his word right now? To illuminate it into our heart, God. To reveal. Reveal, Father. Speak to us. Father, when we leave today, when we finish this service today, let us say it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, Paul writing, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. We keep coming back to that because that is the key to our fight series. Winning from within is that the Holy Spirit guides your lives. Then, if the Holy Spirit is guiding your life, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are then not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, last week, we looked at this sexual impurity, uh, immorality, lustful pleasures. The week before, we studied the idolatry and the sorcery. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper because he says there's hostility. There's quarreling and jealousy and outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions and divisions. And he continues on. You see, five of the issues that Paul lists are relational issues. They're issues that deal with getting along and walking with one another. 
You see, what Paul is going to remind us of is that there is an importance to the unity of the body of Christ. You see, the mission of Christ is one when you and I are walking in unity. You see, we win from within as the body of Christ when we're unified. When we're unified, there is a release of the anointing of God. The Spirit of God fills our hearts and we begin to fulfill the work and the ministry of Christ. Can I hear an amen? I mean, if you're online watching and, and, and viewing right now with me, just agree with me that we need unity in the Spirit to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, this passage right here deals with the struggle, the struggle of the works of the flesh, the carnal man, and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. We know that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and, 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 and God the Spirit. And, and as we understand the Godhead, we know that the essence of God is that God is a God of love. In fact, when we begin to look at this, we see and God tells us that God wants us to love one another. In fact, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, we looked in depth at this passage. Let me remind you of it. In John 13. Look with me here. Turn in your Bibles. Click over to John 13. We know this as the great uh, commandment that comes from the Lord. He says, reading from the Living Translation, So now, I'm giving you, Jesus is saying, a what? A new commandment. Now, the old commandment was that you love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment is that you love one another just as I, I, Christ, have loved you. So the new commandment that's going to override the old commandment of love your neighbor as yourself is I want you to love as I, Christ, have loved you. And when you do, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple. See, I think the real issue is, are we going to take Jesus serious? Are we seriously going to take him at his word? And that is that we are to love one another. Not as you love me, but as Christ loves me. And as Christ loves you, I'm to love you. You see, I think we get it right in the church when it comes to loving God and worshiping and walking with God. But where we get it wrong is loving one another. Can I just get an agreement in the house? Jesus says, listen, take me serious. Your unity, your love for one another is a witness to the world. It's a declaration to the world that I love them. And because I love them, you love them. And that love becomes the very force that releases an anointing in our midst. It's powerful for you and I. That's what Paul is talking about in Galatians. Well, Paul is the author and, that's, and, and we know that Paul has written two-thirds of the New Testament. So let's look at a couple other books that Paul talks about this issue of love. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's talking to the church of Corinth. The church in Corinth, the Corinthian church, was in a very bad place. They were having a lot of issues they, uh, there are a lot of issues that uh, we are facing even in the, the world today. He's dealing with it to the church of Corinth. And in this place, the very first thing that he says to them are issues about relationship. 
Their relationships in the church were broken. There was division in the church. There, there, uh, uh, there was dissension taking place in the church. Accusations were being made. There was envy and grumbling and complaining. All of this is happening, and they write a letter to Paul. They didn't have phones. They didn't have the email. The best thing they could do is get a letter to Paul. Paul had planted the church, so they're writing the, 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 the father of the house. And as they send him a letter, he sends back his letter. And here in chapter 1, in verse 10, he says this, I appeal to you. I beg you. I plead with you. And, and you can feel the tenderness and the love and the grace that's coming from him. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, remember he's talking to those in the church, all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Some translations add the word purpose. My brother, some of, of Chloe's house have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Here, you see that there is this plea for unity and, and in love and in grace. He's saying to the church in 1 Corinthians that we've got to stay unified because if we destroy the unity of the church, the harmony of the church, it begins to destroy the family of God. Now, when you look at this passage of Scripture, and, and I want to illustrate it for you, when he talks about that there may be no splits or division among you, that word that he's using is a word that in the original is like there is a, 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 a fabric. And as there's a piece of fabric, this makes up the body of Christ. We're knit together. We're, we're woven together. And we're a part of this piece of fabric. You see, the, I, I think one of the challenges today that maybe they didn't have in the first century church is that we've got churches everywhere and everywhere. And sometimes we forget that these principles are principles that God has given to us in the local body and for the church. And what he says to you and I is let there be no division among you. So what he's saying, and that word division, as if you take a cloth and you just take it and you just rip it. And as you rip it, there is a division and a separation that is taking place. Metaphorically, he's saying, let there be no splits. Let there be no attacking, no grumbling, no gossip. It's a serious problem. In fact, he goes a few verses later and he says, is Christ divided? You see, the body of Christ is unified in Christ. But when there is a division, there is a division that takes place. It divides the body of Christ. So he says, let there be no division above you. Let there be nothing that will separate you. And the emphasis is, if you and I are in Christ, we're walking with Christ, we have the character of Christ, we're putting on the fruit of the Spirit, which is the nature of Christ, we have the mind of Christ, we're getting dressed in the armor of God, we're on mission with Christ. If we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, then there would be no divisions among us. When there is division, then the problem is somebody has gotten out of step with the Spirit. If we're in step with the Spirit and we're walking in the Spirit, there would be no divisions among us. 
fact, he says you're perfectly united in mind and thought. So if I take away the one that was split and, and I go back to now just one, if we're purposefully united, perfectly united together in mind and spirit and purpose, now that's not just doctrinal unity. In fact, usually what splits the church is not doctrine. It's usually methodology. I won't say it again, but I went to speech class till I was fifth grade, you know. What he's dealing with is an attitude, not doctrine. You see, we're... We see over and over with Paul that there is a plea that we're devoted to one another, that we're walking in unity and harmony with one another. And that attitude is an attitude that says we're in Christ together. We're pursuing Christ, the mind of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit in Christ together, the mission of Christ. That is the walk of the Spirit, and we encourage one another in that journey. It doesn't happen automatically. It has to be intentional, and if we don't keep it as a focus, the enemy gets a foothold, and he comes in to bring division. Can I just hear an amen? So that's what he says to the church of Corinth. To the church of Ephesus, he writes to another church, and he says this. In fact, this is your memory verse this week. I hope you've been memorizing the memory verses. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, the memory verse of the week, Paul says, Make, can, let's read this together, in fact. Read it aloud, really loud. If you're watching uh, at home on live stream, say it aloud with me. Let's read it together. Ephesians 4, 3. Make every effort, keep the unity of the Spirit, amen. Let's do it again. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. Make every effort that we work at it. All of us are working at it. We're striving together. And as we do, there is a unity that comes in the spirit. When, how does it come? Is when we are in unity and harmony, there's peace that's among us. Now, one of the things that I've learned as a pastor, I've watched it in ministry and watched it as a young man growing up and being around some churches that were very, uh, you know, uh, there was just division and, and, and a lot of contention that was in the church. One of the things that I've seen through the years as a, as a pastor and being around churches is that the enemy, Satan himself, is trying to destroy the work of Christ. He's doing everything he can to stop the advancement of the kingdom of God in your heart, in your family, in our city and around the world. And what he does, one of the primary tools is he brings dissension within the body. And I learned a long time ago is a, a lesson that I saw early on is that dissension and contention and confusion in the body of Christ doesn't have to make sense. If the enemy can come in and he can create doubt, he can create suspicion. He can get you to question the motives of others. And he can get you to begin to separate in your heart. The bond of peace begins to get broken. The enemy is creating that confusion and that dissension. And it begins to hinder the work of God. 
When a church is moving forward, when a church is making an impact, when you are moving forward in your family, when you are pressing into God, I can guarantee you the enemy is there. He's crouching and he's waiting to bring, defend, uh, to bring dissension because if he can get you and your spouse at odds, if he can get you at odds and, and, and get confusion and chaos in your family, it slows down what God is trying to do. A church that has an anointing on it that's moving out and making a major spiritual impact and is, and, is, and is seeing souls saved and miracles and breakthrough and seeing a city turned upside down. The enemy is there to bring division and confusion and that's why Paul would say to us, watch out, guard for, watch over the unity of the church. Now I'm preaching because it's in our passage of scripture. Thankfully, I don't have to preach this message because there's disunity or there's dissension or there's some kind of conflict or there's some kind of split or, or something's happening in the church. It's just coming out of our passage of Galatian and so I'm dealing with it. But what I've learned before is that a good church, a church that's making an impact for the kingdom of God can be paralyzed and neutralized if we're not aware of what dissension and disunity does to the church. Can I tell you, body of Christ, it breaks the heart of God. If God can get you at odds with your spouse, at odds with your family, at odds with people within the body of Christ, if we begin to feel a pulling away and a, and a, and a division is beginning to, to, to take place, it breaks the heart of God. What God says to you and I in this passage here in Ephesians to the church of Ephesus, he's saying to you and I, it's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. He says, as much as it depends on you, all of us as believers have got to protect the unity of the house and the unity of what God wants to do. So turn to your neighbor and say, you protect me, I'll protect you. Turn around to somebody and say, let's protect the unity of the church. We are agents of unity. And man, when we walk in unity, there is an anointing that takes place. So in the next few moments, I want to give you just some ways, four simple thoughts. If you're going to walk away with anything today, when you go to lunch and someone says, what did the pastor preach about? The key theme today is what? Unity. And I'm going to give you four simple thoughts, easy ways that you and I, easy ways to preach, hard ways to live. How do we grow the unity of the house. Are you ready today? The first thought I want to leave to you is that you and I can grow in unity when we, and boy, all four of these are so important, but number one is that we maintain an attitude of acceptance. Let me say it really slow. We maintain an attitude. Remember, the issue is an attitude, an attitude of acceptance. Now, after a year and a half of what we've gone through with division and, and contention and so much everywhere, boy, Paul would be reminding us as the church, you see, we are the body of Christ. It's not just our ethnicity. It's not just our, our political uh, affiliations. It's not just our likes or dislikes. We are Christians and believers. And as believers and Christians, Paul is very, very clear. Look in Romans, Romans 14. In fact, turn over there. I want to read several verses. Romans 14 is the classic example 
the classic passage of how do you accept other believers in the family of God. I mean, Paul is going to walk it through and talk to the church and to uh, the believers in Rome, and he's going to say, this is how you grow unity among you. Look in verse 1. In verse 1, reading from the New International Version, he says, accept him, the one, the believer, whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. You see, these are not issues, Paul is saying, that are clear biblical commands. But I, I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness background, and it was very easy as I grew up in that Pentecostal holiness background that things were made to be commandments, the do's and the don'ts of Scripture, when maybe Scripture wasn't as clear that those weren't biblical commands. Now, did they protect me? Did they guide me? They did. Did I have a hard time defending them later as biblical principles? I did, because they weren't clear in Scripture. And yet what Paul is saying is you and I accept one another's faith. In fact, it might be a weaker faith, but we accept one another without passing judgment on what he calls disputable matters. Now, he's going to begin to deal with some of the issues that the church was dealing with at that time. Jewish believers had a, what they would eat. They, they, uh, they, they would come out of their background. Even today, if you go with us to Israel, you'll see there are certain things they eat and they don't eat. And those that were non-Jews that were coming to faith, called Gentiles, as they were giving their faith and their lives to the Lord and they were coming to faith, the Jewish believers with their Jewish customs were saying that you non-Jews, if you're going to be a Christ follower, this is what you must do. And so they begin to put their customs and, and their ways onto the non-Jewish believers. Now, it's easy to reject that today because we're, we're far away from Israel. We're far away from their customs. But this was a very real issue for them in that day as a New Testament church. And so he begins to talk about their issue, and that was what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. Now, if you go down to verse 19, Romans 14, he says, let us therefore... Therefore, what is it there for? Well, he's been talking about all of these disputable matters. He's been talking about these things of what you can eat and not eat. And you Jewish believers are telling the non-Jewish Gentile believers, this is what you must do if you're going to be a Christ follower. And by the way, we get this kind of, uh, uh, we get this kind of, uh, I don't know what to call it, but activity that still happens today. You don't do this, you don't go there, you don't do this, you don't, do, and there's not clear biblical evidence. The Bible isn't clear on it, and that's what Paul was saying. So in verse 19, he says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy, don't bring division, don't separate the work of God for the sake of food, disputable matters. All food, all disputable matters are clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Now, I don't have time to unpack that, but there's some meaning there. So whatever you believe about these things, keep it between yourselves and God. These disputable matters 
Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Now, if I could put it down into a simple thought, what Paul is saying here is, listen, he's saying, don't make major issues out of minor things. There are minor things. He's talking about how we should live and what we should do. And we've got these differences of opinion. And what Paul was saying to the church in Rome is, listen, don't let there be quarrels about issues that are matters of opinion. They're disputable matters. Probably the best thing you could walk away with today is don't let disputable matters bring division among you. Now, if it's essential... We discuss it, we process it, we pray about it, we fast, we look into God's word, we, we have spiritual leaders that guide and inform us because it's essential. But if it's not essential, it becomes a disputable matter. If you don't know, we are Christian Life Center and Assemblies of God Church. We're a part of a fellowship, we we. We've joined this fellowship. The church was started by leaders of this fellowship. We cooperate. It's not a denomination in that there's rules and regulations that they force on us and and impose on us. It's a cooperative fellowship that we're a part of. But one of the beautiful things of the Assemblies of God is first of all, they're in like 260 nations around the world. It's a worldwide movement of Pentecostals, the largest Pentecostal movement around the world. The beautiful thing is there's, there's like 170 million of us, Assemblies of God believers, Pentecostal believers around the world. Can we just say amen? It's not a small movement. The headquarters... The headquarters for us here in America, now every nation has an Assemblies of God. Rebecca's going to work with the Assemblies of God in the Cayman Islands. We have partners with Assemblies of God uh, movements. They're not all called the Assemblies of God. They might be called the Pentecostal Movement or the Pentecostal Union or the Pentecostal Fellowship. But they're a part of the worldwide Assemblies of God Fellowship. And as we are a part of that, here in America, we have almost 13,000 Assemblies of God churches here in America. Can we just say thank you, Lord, for the impact of what we get to be a part of? And what I'm thankful for is that in the Assemblies of God, and I'm bringing it up at this point, is because we have theologians and deep thinkers. We have like 19, just here in America, 19 Bible schools that are training ministers and seminaries that are teaching our ministers the word of God. I went to them. Many of our staff have gone to them. We believe in the education and the preparation so that we can preach and teach the word of God. Can I hear an amen? I mean, I know. I knew, and I still know, what I didn't know, I needed to know, I needed to learn. And so I got into a program and into a a movement, and I got into a Bible school and then into seminary so that I could learn what does God's word say, the doctrines and the theologies. I could understand who is God and the ways of God and the movement of God, going as a missionary around the world and working with assemblies of God, believers in other nations to begin to learn how God is moving among maybe the Nigerians or the Filipinos or the Asians or Africans and, and, and Caribbeans. And you begin to see the hand of God moving around the world is a beautiful thing. And we're a part of that. Now, it's not a missions push. What I'm saying is the beautiful thing 
that the Assemblies of God does for us is they bring together what's called commission, the commission of doctrine, and they bring theologians and Bible professors together. I mean, these guys are brilliant. They could quote, man, the uh, parts of the New Testament in Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew and the Old Testament. I mean, these guys are brilliant, brilliant minds. They're theologians. And when there's doctrinal challenges... They bring together these minds that begin to wrestle with, the, with these questions and these issues that helps you and I as an Assemblies of God church and as members of an Assemblies of God church to know that we're walking in a theology and a doctrine that's been tested and has been proved and it's around the world and there's 170 million Assemblies of God believers and Bible schools and theologians that help you and I know how to live our lives according to the word of God. On the tough issues of the scripture, if you ever go to the Assemblies of God website, they have what they call position papers. And those papers, they're they're little documents that bring clearer clarification to the more complicated issues of our time and our age. And man, it's loaded with scripture. Pastor Nadine is here on the front. One of those position papers are women in ministry. Can women be ordained in ministry? I was in a uh, I, I always get in trouble when I do this. I was in a, a DNA membership class uh, sometime years ago, and someone said, I don't really believe women should be in ministry, and I see your wife there, and I see Pastor Nadine there, and, uh, you know, I just, I just don't know. And all I could do is say, you know, there's a lot of Scripture that'll help you wrestle through the scriptures of what God says, and we've put it together through the Assemblies of God in what's called a position paper because we endorse women in ministry. Can I get an affirmation? We endorse these things, and why am I saying it? Is there are issues that are essential Women in ministry, what is our position on that? Homosexuality and immorality and and all of these different positional papers that you could begin to understand what is our position. But when it comes to disputable matters, Paul would say, listen, listen, accept one another and don't let that bring division among you. Disputable matters. What is our worship style? What is our dress code? What is our ministry methods? When is... Jesus coming back again. Is he coming before the tribulation, during the tribulation, after the tribulation? Quite honestly, there are scriptural passages on all of that of showing us when he might come. And so you begin to try to find a way. What is, what is prophecy today? And is that a word for the Lord and how it should be exercised? God gives us guidelines and we begin to move in that. What is essential we talk about? We process, we pray on, we, 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 we allow the Spirit to guide us. But man, he says, don't let the minor things, the disputable matters, bring a division among you. You know, you and I don't have to agree eye to eye on everything. You don't have to agree eye to eye on every issue with everybody in this church. But there's got to be a commitment in our heart that we're going to walk arm in arm together. That we're going to walk in unity, that we're going to accept one another and we're going to maintain this attitude of unity. Can I hear an amen? Why is that important? It's because so many people get disillusioned so quickly in the church today. 
And when they get disillusioned by what's happening in the church and things that might happen there, maybe there was a a hurt, maybe there was something that was said, maybe they see uh, uh, something that was neglected, or maybe there's pettiness or legalism, maybe there's hypocrisy. I mean, so many things that could happen. Yeah, get people disillusioned, and when they get disillusioned, they begin to disconnect. And as they get disconnected, what they're doing is they're walking away from the unity of the body of Christ. And it's that very unity that brings growth to you and I. Don't get shocked and surprised when we go through difficult times. There are going to be difficulties in the church. There's going to be times that we've got to step in and we've got to bring clarity and we've got to bring some understanding to it. And the reason is, is all of us, me and you and everyone that's here in the service today and watching online, all of us are a work in progress. Can I just hear an amen? I used to see a bumper sticker, and it used to read, you know, God's not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. I think there's an old children's song that says, God's still working on me. Christian Life Center isn't perfect. You're not perfect. And when you see things that aren't perfect, I can guarantee you, when you switch over to another church, you're going to find it's not perfect either. And therefore... We got to understand what unifies us and brings us together. By the way, spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is seen when believers are walking together. They're reconciled. They're growing in their character with one another. They may not agree eye to eye, but they walk arm to arm because they're determined they're going to agree on what's most important. So Paul says, don't major on the minors. Second thing that I would share with you is how do we grow our unity is that we've got to be focused on our common purpose. Not on our differences, but on our purpose, our common purpose. Now, why is that important for us is because we come from many different nationalities. I mean, if I were to take time right now and have you begin to call out your nation, there's probably 30 different nationalities just in the auditorium, no matter, you know, not even counting those that are with us in our CLC, you know, family that's watching by live stream. I mean, we're a body of believers from people from all over the world, and we love that. Let's look for what unifies us, not for what divides us. I want to look at that passage one more time in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, but I want to read it in the Living Bible. Let there be real harmony so that there won't be splits in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind unified in what thought and purpose. Over in the book of Acts, we hear over and over that the New Testament church was in one accord. Now, how do we, how do we walk in one accord is that we're in Christ. When you look in the book of Acts chapter 2, you see one of the reasons that they were in one accord is because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit led them and guided them, and they had all things in common. Do you know that in the first five chapters of the book of Acts, The first five chapters, 10 times, it says that they were in one accord, they had one heart, they were together, they were bound, they had one purpose, one mind, one spirit, one soul. I mean, 10 times it talks about them being unified. What I learned a long time ago is if we 
you and me, the church, if we will develop the unity of the book of Acts, we will have the power and the anointing of the book of Acts. If we walk in unity, we will see the growth that they saw in the book of Acts. I was in a church not long ago, and I was there, and, and, and they hadn't grown. The pastor had mentioned that they hadn't grown in a long time. And, and when I was there, I could see that there wasn't going to be growth because they didn't know their purpose. They didn't know what they were about. They didn't know where they were going. They came together for services. But there's got to be more than just a worship service. There's got to be an understanding of our purpose. Our purpose builds morale. It reduces our frustration. It allows us to concentrate and focus and be intentional. And it attracts others to join us because we know where we're going and we're growing in God together. And we are, de we are determined, we are determined that we're gonna make a major spiritual impact as messengers of hope. I've got this tree that you've been looking at on the, on the stage for some time. And um, the thing about, can you get me on the camera? The thing about going from one church to another church to another church when disunity, disagreement, frustration, or you just want to pop around is that you're never going to grow and draw the nutrients of what God wants in your life to the point that you're going to see the spiritual growth of fruit in your life. I said it earlier, spiritual maturity is seen in that we get planted, and as we get planted, we begin to bear fruit. What I see happening all the time is people don't like the worship service. They don't like what's going on in the ministry. And so here they are, they're planted, they're starting to grow, they're starting to show some life, but then they decide, nope, I don't like it, I'm going to another church. And say so they go and they get in another church. But now where they, had, where they had been accepted, they were growing with their gifts, they knew their gifts, they knew the body, they knew the leadership. But for whatever reason, they decide they're going to go get planted. So they go get planted, but the problem is they're not really planted. There's not a depth, there's not roots that are taking place. And so they get planted there a little bit longer. And so now they're being nurtured. And as they're being nurtured, oh boy, it's tough. Some Christians are tough, I gotta tell you. But, you know, we pastors are planting them. We're, you know, we're tilling up, we're working. You know, we're helping them get started. We help them start finding their gifts. And, and as we help them find their gifts, I mean, they're really starting to get root. And then someone says something to them. Someone says something. Something happens. They get offended. And as soon as they get offended, what do they do? And off they go to another church. Now, they might have been here for five years. They were just at a point of maybe starting to grow fruit. Sometimes fruit comes quicker. Sometimes it takes longer because God's developing you. He's weaving you into the fabric of that body. He's seeing your gifts and how it benefits the rest that are in the house. And there is something for everybody in the house to grow and to build and encourage one another. And it just takes time. And so they get planted now in another church. They might have been here just two years. 
But now they're in another church, and they're in the other church, you know. We're starting to plant them and soil them, and, you know, we as pastors are working. They go on an encounter, and, man, some things really start happening. And, and now we get them planted. Now, I believe there's fruit on every tree, even if it's not showing yet. It's coming. But you got to be planted. And the problem with too many believers is they don't give enough time for the roots to grow deep. You see, if you keep uprooting yourself and going from one to the other to the other, you'll never get deep enough. You'll never, you'll never get to the place that there's fruit that's coming from your life. Can I hear an amen? God wants that. That's the purpose that God has for you. And we've got to know where we're going in mission and in purpose. This morning I was driving in and a friend of mine is preaching at a church and he's preaching out in Utah. Out in Utah. Uh, well, almost uh, up in the Utah area. But it's a very um, rural area. And he sends me a picture of the church this morning. I, I should have sent it, had it popped up on the screen, but um, I know the guy, so I don't want to make fun of him. But it's a very rural church. And on the stage, they, it's, it's what they call a cowboy church. And on the stage, on one side of the stage, on both sides of the stage, is a saddle. So they have these saddles sitting on the stage, and the backdrop for us is this beautiful backdrop. For them, it looks like a barn. You know, they've got this barn look that's there. And that's where he's preaching this morning. And he wrote me, and he said, pray for me. And I said, do you have your cowboy hat? <laughs> he said, pray for me. I've never preached in a cowboy church before. Is there anything wrong with a cowboy church? No. There's nothing wrong with it. Their songs might be very similar to our songs with a little bit of country and western twist to it. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with it. But it doesn't mean that it's where maybe God would want me or where I would fit or where you would fit. It doesn't mean that that's where everybody should go. And that's where God has given some variety. But we've got to get planted if we're going to develop some fruit in our life. And the fruit in our life blesses Everyone. What I love about Acts is, man, they were led by the Spirit. They were walking in the Spirit. They understood that when they were filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit is going to give me courage. It's going to give me boldness. It's going to give me confidence. It's going to anoint me. There's going to be a greater love. When I walk in the Spirit, man, I begin to embrace that mission of Christ. And what I love about it, church, is we get to do it together. See, we're a big voice, but we're in a big city. And the bigger the voice in a big city, the greater the impact I believe God's going to help us to have because we want to help you to get some roots. We want to develop some fruit. We want you to bless one another and bless our community and bless the world because we are planted and we're growing together. Can I hear an amen? Well, you may say... Pastor, what's the vision? Go ahead, you can play for me. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, he's running long. Start playing. <laughs> Go ahead, play. I know it wasn't you. Come on. <laughs> you were just doing what someone told you to do. <laughs> One of my staff members said, text them, get them going. <laughs> Let me tell you real simply what Christian Life Center is all about. Very simply, we want to experience God. 
When you come in every single weekend and every life group, no matter what it is, we want you to know that you've been in the presence of God. I want you to get filled up, charged up, fired up. I want you to know you've connected with him. I want your vision of him to grow bigger and larger, your perspective to be large and to know that God is fighting for you. You're not walking alone, that God is with you. He's on your side. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. I mean, come on, the world's going to beat us up enough. Let's get in here and let's get charged up as we worship and praise Him. Our purpose is to help you to experience God. But our purpose is also to help you to get connected with your spiritual family. God doesn't want you to walk alone. He wants you to be interwoven and connected arm to arm with others that you are connecting with your spiritual family. And that's why life group is so important for us. I hope you've chosen a life group. I hope you're in one. It's not too late if you haven't gotten in one. Man, we got 98 life groups here in South Florida. Men, women, couple, children, youth, you name it, we've got it. Man, you gotta get connected. One of our passions that we journey life together. We journey life together. A third purpose that we have is that we want you to grow in Christ. Every weekend when I step into this pulpit, man, I've prayed, whoever's preaching has prayed, we're fasting, we're working, every class we teach, be it school of discipleship or school of ministry, every evangelist that we bring in, we've got a goal and that goal is to help you grow in Christ, to grow the character of Christ, the mind of Christ, that you become planted in Christ. We lead you on a spiritual journey and a spiritual path that will develop the roots of your faith. That's why we invite you to go on encounter, because it's the doorway to a journey and to a process of growing your roots deeper and deeper and deeper. You don't have to be here a year or two to go in school of discipleship. And the beautiful thing, for those that are in our CLC online family, we have school of discipleship now online, virtual. You don't even have to come into a physical building. And we're going to help you begin to grow those roots. The fruit of it is going to be the image of Christ. It's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. It's going to be a greater knowledge of who God is and what God wants to do in your life. But our goal is to grow in Christ. Another goal for us, purpose and value for us, is that every one of us have an anointing. It's your ministry. It's your gifts. It's a calling. It's an assignment from God. And too many Christians are sitting on the anointing. And if we would release it, if every one of us would release it, if everyone would release their gifts and their anointing, can I tell you, man, the impact talk about what happened in the book of Acts they were in awe of God's presence they were worshiping God and worshiping together, they were together they had everything in common they were in the temple, they were in the home they were sharing communion and praying and ministry and it says they were serving one another, you want the anointing of the book of Acts and everyone has got to be united in heart and spirit and purpose when we are 
all of a sudden, the message of hope comes alive. It's not just a sermon or a series or some event that we do, but it becomes our lifestyle. And we go as lighthouse into this community and around the world. And the light shines bright. And it says in the book of Acts that they turn the world upside down. We have that potential. God's brought you to CLC for that reason. You might be newly planted. You might have been planted a long time. But there's a purpose. He's brought you for a season, for this time, for a, for, for a specific reason. So that we can make an impact for the kingdom of God. That's what we believe. That's what we're about. We believe in diversity as a church. Man, we believe in a move of the Holy Spirit. We want the gifts of the Spirit to be moving in our midst. We want the, we want the, the miracles of God to be ushered into our midst. I believe that He's still a healing, working God today. I believe it. If you need a miracle in your life, you need a breakthrough in your family, can I tell you, I believe God can do that today. Before you leave in this altar, He can do it today. A common purpose. The last two thoughts I give to you, I let you dig it out this week, but that we choose to encourage and build up. It's our closing prayer. We don't tear down. We don't discourage. No, we encourage rather than criticize. We filter what we say. We watch what we say. In James chapter 3 and verse 1, James says it this way, dear brothers, don't be too eager to tell others their faults, for we all make many mistakes. Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for what? The building up of others according to their needs. Remember, the enemy is the accuser of the brother, and that shouldn't be you and I. Man, the enemy is bringing guilt, shame, and condemnation. But you and I encourage one another. And the last thought I leave you with today is that we've got to practice God's method of conflict resolution. If there is an offense, if there's some kind of conflict, God says very simply, this is what we should do. If a fellow believer hurts you, Intentionally or unintentionally, a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Go and tell her. Work it out between the two of you. If they listen, you've won a friend. If they won't listen, then take one or two others along so that in the presence of witnesses, we can keep things honest and try again. If they still won't listen, Tell the church, the leaders of the church, a life group leader, a lay minister, one of the pastors. Tell the church. If they won't listen to the leaders, to the church, then you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiveness. Private confrontation is always the first step. The first step is not running to to Pastor Christian or Pastor Kevin or Pastor Nadine or Pastor Tom and say, so-and-so did this and they did that. That's not the first step. The first step is not the gossip about it and, and go and tell everybody else. The first step of biblical conflict resolution is you go to them. And as you go to them, 
you begin to win over a brother. Many times I've realized there's a misunderstanding. Somewhere there's a misunderstanding. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. No, I didn't mean it this way. Or, okay, I see what you're saying. I'm sorry that that was perceived or I did this. Whatever the case is, you're beginning to talk about it. And when you do, there's unity that comes. What develops the fruit is that when we get unified with one another, our roots begin to grow. And as our roots begin to grow, there'll be fruit that'll come from our tree. Can I hear an amen? Father, I thank you for your word. It's powerful. And today, God, as we look at our unity, we win from within. The within is within the body of Christ. Without unity, we as a church will lose our stability. So God, I pray that you're gonna help us to protect the unity of the church. Will you say that? Father, I will protect the unity of my church. God, I pray that over our church because if we lose our unity, we lose our voice. God, help us to see what you're doing. Help us to see, oh God, the impact that you desire to make through us. And Father, I'm thankful that we're a part of it. And today, as we link as the body of Christ, we link with the purpose, oh Lord, to make a major spiritual impact, to encourage, to inspire, to build up. And Father, as we do, you will be glorified through it. And all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Give the Lord praise. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.